this round is probably the easiest round you're ever going to raise other than the pre-seed because as soon as you go to market and you're in market you've got metrics so your your valuation and the appetite from investors is going to be directly in line with the traction you have and the actual real numbers right now we're really backing you we're backing this how far you've got and you've done brilliantly to date so you know well done for the progress you've made it looks like a great product and it's certainly the future Hello and welcome to Represented by Secret Leaders Podcast. If this is your first time listening, then let me give you a little quick lowdown. We're here to give more representation to black founders creating scalable businesses as currently just 0.5% of all funding goes to black funded businesses in Europe. Now throughout this series, you'll hear one pitch per week and get the inside track on how investors grill entrepreneurs on their business, how they respond and whether they want to proceed and consider investing. If you're an entrepreneur looking to apply or you're an investor looking to consider investing in underrepresented founders, please sign up at secretleaders.com forward slash represented. On to today's show, we've got investors Nick Jenkins, the founder of Moonpig and prolific angel investor and also the former dragon on some other pitch show you may have heard of called Dragon's Den. Andrew Scott, who is the founder and partner at venture capital firm 7% Ventures, and Yvonne Bajela, a partner at Impact X Capital. Now, they are here to hear more from today's guest, Letitia Jeanfrieda and Keith Green pitching their startup Arthronica, an AI-powered pain management software company. So over to today's guest with the pitch. Please take it away, Letitia and Keith. It's time for your pitch. I'm Keith and I'm the co-founder of Arthronica and I'd like to speak to you today about arthritis. Arthritis affects over 100 million people in Europe and the US alone and is one of the world's most degenerative, painful and debilitating diseases. It costs the UK economy 10.2 billion per year and in the US a staggering 303.5 billion or roughly 1% of the entire country's GDP. It should come as no surprise then that the world's best-selling medication is an arthritis drug with a global revenue of $4.87 billion per annum. One would think, given the huge addressable market, that arthritic care would be the fronting the charge in modernising medicine. However, sadly, this is not the case. If anything, it's the opposite. Whilst breakthroughs are being made in treating malaria, gene manipulation and cancer therapy, arthritic care has remained more or less stagnant. The reasons for this are multifaceted, but in my opinion, the bottom line is, is it's because it's an incurable disease. People say there's nothing we can do except ease the pain, and easing the pain doesn't win Nobel Prizes. But that shouldn't mean that arthritic patients are left by the wayside. It really shouldn't, but in reality, it does. And as a result, these patients are given inadequate care and left to die with nothing but an astronomical medical bill and a lifelong addiction to overprescribed painkillers. Arthronica aims to put a fork in the road and provide a new pathway for arthritic sufferers allowing them to get the help they need when they need it, while simultaneously saving doctors' time and providing objective measurements on disease progression so that medication and treatments can be adapted accordingly. We're a seven-strong team of bioengineers, data scientists and computer programmers, each with over 10 years' experience in our respective fields, and we are committed to providing the most vulnerable in our society the means to understand and manage their conditions, improve their well-being and overall quality of life. We spun out from Imperial College as part of our CEO Letizia's PhD research and joined forces to benchmark our solution against the standardised clinical assessments. Compared to one hour or more that these assessments usually take, the Arthronica platform takes a maximum of 15 minutes and provides objective evidence not only on the effectiveness of medication on an overall population, but also the response and adherence to medication on an individual level. 
This enables us to improve clinical outcomes whilst optimizing drug usage with an estimated saving of $700 per patient per month for health insurance. Arthronica is a comprehensive, artificially intelligent platform that remotely diagnoses long-term chronic conditions such as arthritis. Our proprietary algorithms use videos, which can be taken with any standard camera found in a laptop or smartphone, to objectively measure arthritis clinical endpoints remotely with a clinically validated accuracy of 94%. And the market is huge. Now more than ever, in light of the current pandemic, the need for a telehealth solution for long-term chronic conditions is clear. We have a total addressable market of 11.75 billion in the US and a proportionally sized, if slightly smaller market in the UK. Since our incorporation in 2018, we have gained significant traction. Following our pre-seed round of 500K in December 2019, in just a few months, we have been able to build and test our prototype, secure grants from the Wellcome Trust versus Arthritis of the UK government, apply for two utility patents, construct three clinical investigations across the UK at Imperial College London, King's College and Leeds NHS Hospital Trust, secure CE marking as a diagnostic monitoring tool, secure ongoing clinical trials and partnerships with the Texas Medical Centre to obtain FDA approval by the second quarter of 2021. We have also agreed paid feasibility tests with private clinics in the UK and contract research organisations that would like to use the platform when testing new drugs. And we're in discussion with multiple pharmaceutical companies as a companion diagnostic. We are supported by the British Business Bank Future Funds and our current investors include Mike Twinning, AI Seed, Fiona Pathiraja from Christagalli Ventures, Entrepreneurs First and SOSV. And we are seeking an additional 160k to close our 700k second round, of which 540 is already in the bank. This money will be used to deliver our first product and take us to market, as well as expand our horizons to the US and beyond. Thank you for your time. Very, very slick intro there. Thank you very much. Before we go to the investor questions, can you just give us some background on the roles that you, uh, well, the two co-founders on the call, and I guess you've got a third as well, what you guys do in the company, how you split your responsibilities? So I'm the CEO uh, and co-founder of, um, of Arfanica, as the company started as part of my PhD at Imperial College. And then I joined forces with Keith, um, which I already knew from uh, previous kind of like development uh, work. Uh, he's currently head of um, development in the company. And then our um, uh, recently appointed C uh, CTO, uh, Nikyu, comes from um, a background. Well, he was working in the touch surgery, which was recently acquired by Medtronic. Over to Andrew Scott. Great, uh, lovely to meet you both. Uh, thanks for taking the time today. We'd just love to know what, why are you doing this? What's driving you? Yeah, there are a number of reasons. I think like the first one is really like the fact that I personally um, suffer from arthritic pain and um, I have sort of like, well, I have a form of arthritis myself. On top of which I also spent, you know, like years of research as part of my uh, PhD. But before my PhD, I was like working in uh, at the New York uh, Medical Center, then in Singapore in the Medical Center there before joining Imperial College, specifically in this field. So I think like this is mainly the, um, the reason why we're so motivated and so passionate about this. Um, for me, it's, <laughs> it's mainly because of Letizia, really, if I'm honest. Um, so we'd worked together um, before whilst we, we met whilst we were working at Goldsmiths and then the um, research she was doing there, she asked me to help out with some of the programming of it. And then um, when she joined um, Entrepreneurs First and sort of incorporated the company, 
she, again, she sort of hired me as a as an employee to help out, help out building the website and um, do some other sort of um, implementation tasks. And from there, our sort of working relationship really grew. We got on very well. And she asked me to be co-founder. And I thought, you know what, like, um, it's quite a nice story being the first employee and working way up to a co-founder sort of thing. So I thought, why not? Let's give it a shot. Um, and then since then, it's just been really exciting and like, yeah, pretty much good fun sort of thing, like actually able to the sort of coming to terms with not only growing a business and making a business and how the whole business world works, but also the fact that what we're doing is actually helping people and is to sort of like a almost like a moral, moral benefit of society I think is a really big thing for me and so with that in mind what's your what's your vision for the business then where's what's this business look like in and I, I understand your initial uh, product obviously from, from the deck you, you kindly shared what, what's this business look in five ten years well I think essentially we want to be the go-to solution for chronic pain management more or less so remote consultation is obviously a big a big part of it um being able to allow the sort of care that these um because if you're in chronic pain it is it's no secret that especially in the medical industry that um they're not the ones that the spotlight is focused on really um and it's something there's something about that like i guess a lot of the time it's it's not um sort of a sexy illness for want of a better word um and so they kind of get left in the dark whereas other treatments sort of um, really progress and you see major breakthroughs in and I think that there doesn't need to be a major breakthrough to help people with chronic pain and so creating a business that can essentially be you know can be looking after their well-being their mental health their all of these sort of lifelong conditions that aren't you can't really cure them they're just something that continues um, yeah we just want to be the go-to solution for pretty much all of them yeah no, I think I think like to answer your questions there are a couple of points so the first one is pretty much like the there are a lot of there are kind of like a lot of solutions out there that provide kind of like um, qualitative assessment based on adherence and uh, and all that, which are of course like extremely valuable for pharmaceutical companies and all that. Uh, but our platform really is, like is able to provide both, right? So qualitative information as well as quantitative assessment fully remotely. And we are moving kind of like on a vertical basis perspective. So, and this is pretty much like the second point. So we're starting like focusing on a very specific condition uh, in the monitoring diagnostic space. And then we are kind of like expanding to kind of like different conditions, taking different long-term conditions to um, own the market. Interrupting this episode to tell you all about The Glow Pot, who make natural, organic, cruelty-free and vegan skincare made to make skin glow. Just check out theglowpot.com or go to at theglowpot on social to find out more and start glowing today. Now back to Letizia and Keith. So thinking about that, where you're positioned in the market then, would you say that your, your key advantage, if I've understood from the competitive landscape slide, is the both for the customer and the, the business customer and and for the sufferer the depth of the richness of the data uh, you've obviously got ease of use you've always got reduction in cost because of you know it, it being a sort of self-serve app but is, is this a step forward significant i'm not an expert in this space is this a significant step forward also in the the level of data that level of data that's recorded in the analysis does it actually improve treatment as well as make treatment easier 
Yeah, yeah. So the action plan is that, I mean, for in order to get an assessment for this kind of like this long-term condition, you always need to go to the hospital. What our solution provides is a way to actually not only gather, you know, all the qualitative aspects and all the qualitative information, but what are the actual objective clinical endpoints that you actually measure when you go to the clinical facility. That's what our preparatory kind of like algorithm measure. Yeah. And also just to, to add to that, um, I think that the current practice is um, essentially it's in a pretty woeful state. There's a lot of records stored in just pen and paper. There's some records digitized in one place and some in another. Um, and so it's quite hard to perform an actual analysis of how well medication is performing over a whole population of patients, say, um, without like a lot of um, basically pulling in a lot of different records from a lot of different places. It's very time consuming. Whereas with um, if everyone was on the Arthronica platform, then you would have that high level analysis, but then also be able to drill down into the individual patient level. Um, and you just gives um, the doctors an overall much clearer picture of what's going on, because rather than one assessment every month or so, um, we recommend like one questionnaire a day. Um, and that is like a primary level care version of the assessment. It's just, oh, here, you've got arthritis, take this pain questionnaire. We'll see how much pain you're in and take it from there. But this condition is something that changes on a daily basis. You can wake up in the morning and feel fine. And then by the evening, your knees have buckled sort of thing. And so I think that um, being able to not only provide a larger volume of data, but provide that data at a much more, uh, much sort of more frequent rate is um, where we help the sufferers and doctors alike. And thank you, um, Keith and Lucizia, for, for the great pitch. I personally do really like this space. And um, there's one company that really does come to mind, Kaya Health, that focuses on back pain. Mm. They've done really, really well in Germany. Um, they're using computer vision and they've had really strong traction. So my question is, you know, one of the reasons why they've done so well in the German market is because of the reimbursements that take place. We don't have that in the UK. So what's your go-to-market strategy within this particular market? And then how are you thinking about it within the U.S. as well? Because obviously that's a huge market opportunity there for you. So what's your strategy for, for uh, the U.S. later on? Yeah, yeah, that's a very good question. I'm going to answer pretty much like the second one first. So U.S. strategy. We are um, already present in the uh, TMC, the Texas Medical Center, precisely to get uh, FDA approval earlier on um, as soon as possible in order to access uh, reimbursement incentives and to access... Um, actual insurance uh, companies. Now, in terms of like our strategy, the problem uh, that Kit was identifying is that those medications are extremely expensive. Now, an insurance company pay on average pays on average around uh, 2K per patient per month. Um, we are already conducting a, a budget impact analysis based on health economics in the US in order to precisely assess how much we can charge, how much we can charge compared to how much we can save per patient per month. So this 2K per patient per month, what our platform provides on top of, of course, like the objective evidence and effectiveness uh, to therapeutic intervention is also like optimal uh, use of pharmacological treatment. That optimal use of pharmacological treatment is now showing to reduce to at least 50% the actual dosage of treatment the patients are uh, being prescribed on. So from 2K, those uh, insurance companies are then moving to uh, uh, 1K uh, per patient per month using our solution, on top of which we charge 300 per patient per month. So all of a sudden, the health, insur uh, the health insurance 
um, being like an employee-based health insurance or Medicare is actually saving 700 per patient per month. So we are already thinking about like the U.S. market and how to access that. Uh, and in terms of like launching it, we are we will be launching in the U.S. market in Q2 2020. Okay, so where are you in terms of your FDA approval? Have you started that um, process? We haven't started the trial. We have started the protocol. So the protocol essentially like is we start we have started engagement with the clinic. We are aiming to start the actual trial in September. Okay, great. And and you mentioned that you had an accuracy level of ninety four percent. What's the basis for that? Yeah, so we conducted an analysis based on uh, all the research that I've done uh, at my PhD and also like follow-up clinical trials when where we tested essentially um, the data uh, against uh, what is called an optoelectronic motion capture system. So we collected more than uh, half a million fully labeled frames. If you think about like even like the solution, even Kaya Health, for instance, they measure and they collected around 20,000 frames, which is like... Uh, so essentially, like more frame labels you have, the more kind of like the accuracy is higher and the more you can kind of like become a diagnostic tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, in terms of like that level of accuracy, we benchmark the data against clinical metrics and against the standardized kind of like clinical assessment in order to assess the activity scoring system in output from our model. Uh, and that's essentially like how we got to that uh, 94% of accuracy from the data collected it. Uh, Imperial Leeds and uh, Kings. So far, we collected uh, 114 patients' data. So, is anyone actually using this at the moment, or are you not allowed to until you have medical? How, how's that work, and how many people have used it or are using it? People, yeah. So, we are launching the product in the UK in September. So, so far, the product has been used for research purposes. We have amazing feedback from our uh, patients, we are collaborating with the National Rheumatoid Arthritis Society, with Versus Arthritis, with a number of charities, uh, and as well as with a number of clinics, but uh, the product is not on the market yet. But how many people is that that have been using it? Because if you're, presumably yeah, you're allowed so, to do it for research. Yeah, so, so far 114 RA patients have been using the platform, but on top of which we have also tested the usability journey and the usability pl- pathway to date is over... 200 uh, patients, but the actual sensitivity and specificity of the model has been tested on 114 patients in order to get our C marking. First, I have to say this is a, it's, this is definitely the, the way that uh, this is the future of medicine. And one, one of the things that you didn't refer to is not only does it save money, but the amount of time and effort that it saves the patient. And that's one of those things that often doesn't get counted. The, the consumer's time, own time is, is often never counted into that equation. So I think, it, I think it's, a, it's a wonderful product. I would love to know, two things I'd love to know. One is, what's the pre-money valuation that you're asking for? 3.5. 3.5 million pre-money, okay. The second question is, who's, leading, who's driving the sales effort? Because there will be a sales effort here. Um, who have you got on the team that does that? That's precisely the reason why we are fundraising at the moment. So far, we have pretty much like focused on the technical abilities of the platform and the actual yeah. regulation. Like being like a medical product, uh, we focus on the actual regulatory approval and all that. The reason of fundraising now is pretty much like to uh, expand and to kind of like develop our uh, Salesforce sales team and um, and to expand from like those feasibility kind of like trials and tests to actual commercial sales and recurring revenue. Well, while we're on the topic of, uh, of the cash, why, why are you only raising 700k? Well, the answer is, in, in full honesty, that's the amount that we needed now in order to 
uh, accelerate the, um, the, the, the kind of like the sales of the product. So, so far we have really focused on the technical development, but following essentially like our C marking in May and after applying for the future fund, um, we uh, got selected, we got the cash and then we thought it would like would have been essentially like a great opportunity. Uh, that's essentially like why. I mean, if you raise more money, if you raise 1.5 or you raise two or you raise three now, how would that change where you got to in a year from now? Well, I think at the moment we want to really, fo- so this is almost like part of our proceed. We want to be, uh, we want to start generating revenue in uh, in the UK, in Europe, while approaching the US market prior to the kind of like the next fundraise. Um, so raising now, it would mean that um, larger dilution for us because we would, wouldn't really be able to show all the milestones that we uh, would be able to show with this um, amount that we are asking for now. I mean, that's a function of the valuation, obviously, which is a function of, you know, what the market will support. I mean, I think, I mean, there's a few things here. One is this round is probably the easiest round you're ever going to raise um, other than the pre-seed because as soon as you go to market and you're in market, you've got metrics. So your, your valuation and the appetite right, from investors is going to be directly in line with the traction you have and the actual real numbers. Right now, you know, we're really backing you. We're backing this, how far you've got, and you've done brilliantly to date. So, you know, well done for the progress you've made. I, you know, I concur with what Nick said. It looks like a great product and it's certainly the future. But once you get onto that, you know, the revenue, the revenue numbers, then sort of, especially particularly in Europe, the valuation and everything else will stem and the traction will stem from that. So when you then think about the round now, the more money you raise now, within reason, there's obviously a point at which you can't effectively spend money, but the more money you raise now, potentially the, the harder you can drive that initial bridgehead in, into the market, which means consequently then the more you can raise at the next round, which you know, then precipitates down the chain of, of fundraising. I do think European startups have a tendency to under-raise um, and undercapitalize. And what happens then is that you get these companies from the US coming in that are perhaps three, four times as well capitalized, even at seed, and it just enables them to execute faster on a wider front or, or on a narrow front, but very, very deeply, in, and, and, and which then precipitates them raising a much, much larger round. So, you know, just a feel for where you are and what you've achieved to date, with the caveat that I'm not an expert in this particular market. We've done some med tech, but I'm certainly no, no, no guru, that the raise size feels low. Yeah, that makes sense. I think we want to remain um, quite focused on what we're trying to deliver and make sure that, um, you know, we can, we can bring it to market. And we, we'd always sort of come from the angle that generating revenue is like easy, makes it easier to raise. But um, all the points you just mentioned about how it actually ties you to specific metrics um, is they, they are really good points. Um, but I think that also, yeah, sort of remain, keeping the focus like quite narrow and making sure that we, um, you know, we are deliverable. Like, you know, we don't want to waste anyone's time. Um, we don't want to waste anyone's money. So we, we just want to ask what we need, ask for what we need. But um, after you said, just said what you said, I think I might uh, reevaluate. <laughs> well, I mean, look, looking at what you've achieved so far, it's, it looks very exciting. The, the, the concern at this stage is, is have, you, is, is have you got the right team? Can you develop the right team to hit the ground running so that you are the company that gets the contracts? And of course, that's you know that's the bit that you've yet to, that that you've is the commercialization of it is the bit that's 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 yet to prove. I, I mean, I would definitely like to learn more about this. Um, there's quite a few more questions I'd like to follow up on. I, th- I think it's very exciting. What's 
and and it's uh, I'd love to know a little bit more about the uh, the ownership of the, the 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 IP, particularly over the the analysis. Um, is this is this all the stuff that that you've been developing, uh, Letitia? Yeah, that's correct. Now, now as part of like the uh, the agreement with um, with Imperial College London, since I was uh, developing those as part of like the fa- fa- external funding that I got, the intellectual property fully belongs to um, to to the company. What's the um, ownership stake of the university if, it's, if it has one, the IP? It doesn't have one. Okay, so basically the cap table is the initial investors and, and you guys. Yes, that's correct. I want to introduce you to a great brand called Sunmo, which is a Yoruba expression for bringing people together and they stand for bringing people together with food. They make delicious plantain crisps and sweet potato puffs in retailers like Sainsbury's, Selfridges and Whole Foods, but you can also support their young black female founder, Victoria, by buying them online at sunmosnacks, that's S-U-N-M-O snacks.com, and follow them on social at sunmosnacks anywhere. Now back to the brilliant Arthronica. Okay, so how do you think that they did? Good, I really like... Um the space that they're in. Um, I think that they're going to face challenges in the UK market in particular because there's no reimbursement scheme as there is in Germany and in the US. But otherwise, really like the company, really think there's a solid team as well. Um, I think that they've had good traction to date as well. Um, all around, very positive. Love to learn more about the business. Similarly, I, I, I think it's a, great, it's a great business. Undoubtedly, it's a business that makes perfect sense for the patient. It makes perfect sense for the health system as a whole. I've got more questions to understand how that value chain works in the UK. I thought uh, a, great, a great team where they're really, really lacking on the commercial side. And I think being, being fast, I think Andrew alluded to that, uh, being, being fast to market and being the go-to person to solve this problem will be important because somebody else, there will be other people coming up from behind. So that, that, that's the, bit, that, the, the one big missing thing is is that i think they've 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 done a lot with a little to date um, they're obviously clearly very passionate about the space which i like i kind of echo what, what nick said on the commercial side i think these businesses tend to take you know enterprise sales for us always, always worries just because of the, the cycle to get get a sale done and you can have this wonderful looking pipeline and just you know there's always a reason why it's not happening and then the stakeholder changes and you know it gets kicked down the road further and that's particularly hard for early stage startups because it's hard for them to show show that traction. It's always promises of, of look at our great pipeline. So if there are ways of them getting it to the hands of uh, clinicians, which don't involve the NHS or don't involve, you know, big contracts, I think they should certainly look at that because it allows them to get metrics, feedback, people using, you know, they can iterate the product mm. straight away. And then clearly the big hole for me was just, just around that, that narrative of, of why they're raising that amount of money and having, finding that, that confidence and a strategy that is optimizing their their ability to deliver on their vision, which is, you know, they want to be the go-to in the future for, to solve this problem. To do that, they're going to have to have be clear about and probably have a more, slightly more aggressive strategy uh, rather than, you know, well, we're raising some amount of money because it'll sort of do, and, you know, that lasts us roughly 12 months. And I think, I think tightening up that narrative would give investors more confidence and, and give them more options, right? They can go out and hire an amazing commercial person, as, as Nick suggested, to go and lead that side of the business. hoping that we can get some uh, good, positive, swift feedback from the investors. So we'll start uh, at my top left anyway. So Nick, can you share where your, where your mind's at and what you'd like to do next? Yeah, I think it's fantastic. It's, it's a clearly fantastic product. It's, um, uh, I, I can definitely see the, uh, you know, I can see the huge potential in it. I'm really interested. Uh, I need to learn a little bit more 
the little bit more about the more complicated side of the NHS, which I, which I have a particular peculiar interest in anyway, um, I, in another business that I'm involved in. Um, so um, I'd like to take it forward. Great, Yvonne. Yeah, a really great pitch. Um, love the space that we're in. I think Kaya Health is a great benchmark for, for what you're doing. Um, I do have some questions around commercialization in the US, given the fact that we don't have a reimbursement scheme. Um, however, apart from that, I think that you have a great team and would definitely like to learn more. Brilliant. And Andrew? Yeah, just congratulations for what you've done today. Um, you, you seem to have done a lot with a little. I think going forward, you know, tightening up your narrative around your raise strategy and why you're raising that amount of money and, and that question of whether you should raise more or not to deliver on what is a great vision to own this space um, in 10 years' time. And I think, you, you know, you might need to look at being a little bit more aggressive um, about how, how you plan to, to achieve that. So very happy on the one side to give some, some sort of um, mentorship on that side. And then also love to talk more about actually whether this is something we can invest in or not. What do you think about the feedback you were given about commercialization and definitely also, I guess, you know, some of the feedback around, you know, understanding of the business challenges, the amount you should raise and some of that business acumen? No, I thought they were all completely valid points. And it's definitely something um, that I want to look into because it's, um, I think it's, sort of a byproduct of us being sort of engineers by training and trade. Um, we want them to keep things efficient. So we try to, you know, ensure that we are only asking for what we need. Um, and it, it to, for me, honestly, I don't, I don't know, this is, it may be the same, but for me, it never even really occurred to me to ask to try and overfund. I just thought, let's get what we need and deliver sort of thing. What about yourself, Letizia? No, I think like they all made kind of like great, um, great points. I would, I would personally like love to follow up with each one of them, particularly on kind of like the mentorship level. As Kit was saying, we're all engineers and for us like mentorship, particularly like from uh, um, an investment point of view, vision and all that is key in order to, you know, grow. So yeah, thank you so much for inviting us. A pleasure. And if you're listening to these guys today, if you're an experienced investor advisor and this pitch has excited you as it has me, Rich, and all of the investors listening, um, then where can they get in touch with you directly to give you some feedback and even offer some help? Well, they can contact us on letizia.arfranca.com and keith.arfranca.com. All right, guys, thank you so much for your time. I hope you have a lovely evening. Next week, we'll be joined by Leon from Space, not literally, that's just the name of his brilliant company, who's going to be pitching investors for £400,000 to take his journey in the property technology market to another level. The universities, where they control the real estate, essentially have a monopoly. I mean, as soon as a rite of passage to move into your hall of residence, almost every student ubiquitously moves into yeah. a student halls. It's therefore not unrealistic to think that the universities could extrapolate that relationship into the second year and above. And that's the intention. If you're an investor interested to learn more about the great applications we're getting from black founded companies and want access to their funding decks and even introductions, or you're an entrepreneur looking to apply to be on the show to be considered by our investment committee, either way, please go to secretleaders.com forward slash represented and follow the links there. Big thanks to our producer, Rich Martell, editor Harry Morton of Lower Street Media and illustrator Christina Katz for helping put this show together. We'll see you on the next episode and remember to help us spread the word and make sure we get more black founders represented. See you next week.